Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm Carlene Savage, conflict resolution expert and your host. And today we are talking about my background because you asked. You asked, so I'm going to share. But I'm not just going to share the the bullet points. I'm going to share a couple of stories. And it's because I want you to realize once again, as you've realized many other times, but maybe something will be in my story that will resonate with you, that not everything is perfect. How we get where we are was never perfect. And I remember being called into one of our clergy's offices because another couple had a problem with us to the point that they were instigating, um, like instigating actions against us in that church um, to attack. Uh, for example, they would tell their kids, we're going to go we're going to go create these rumors just to cause us misery. And the core fundamental of the reason why this woman and husband wanted to create the misery, if you know the story about it, you can see so many dynamics leading up to it. But she, one of her issues was, is that we looked and appeared perfect. And she was yelling at us in this clergy's office saying, look at you, look at you, Carlene, you're levitating. You have the perfect husband, the perfect children. You live the perfect life. And I remember sitting there going, and I was young. I was young gal. And I, and she was probably 10, 12 years older than me. And I remember sitting there going, you have, you have no idea about my life. You have no idea. And you couldn't be more stupid in this moment. Um, you couldn't be more ignorant in this moment. And at that time, I was so young, it's like she was the older, wiser. And, but now I look at it and go, oh my gosh, what we do to each other is crazy. And living a perfect life was not even in, my, in the plan for me. I did not live a perfect life. And that's why, while I share my background, I'd like to share some vulnerabilities, some open spaces that can, you know, indicate kind of what that was. So the first vulnerability in my background is I did not graduate high school. Did not graduate high school. Now I have a master's today, but I did not graduate high school. Um, my mom was extremely nervous about who I was, what I was, the attractions that I had or people had with me. Um, and so she became almost obsessively protective. Now, looking at her life, I can totally see that, but very unhealthy for my life. So she, and at one point, she felt like she couldn't get through to me. And the reason why she couldn't get through to me is because I discovered very early that if she knew things, she would use those things against me. For example, if I liked going to church and I did something that displeased her, like I didn't clean the bathroom mirror right, she would keep me from doing that. If I fell asleep after school, she'd say, you fell asleep, you're not allowed to go to church. Um, and so I learned early um, to not always share. Um, that is not what I learned on. I learned on something much younger about when I was eight that I told her something that <clears throat> had happened to me and she didn't believe me. She chose not to believe me. And that ensued decades, decades of mistreatment, um, her 
discrediting me as I was a child and a teenager. And so I learned very early not to expose myself. So when I hit, you know, the early teens, she became frustrated because I completely had shut down. So she began moving me around. She moved me to my my biological father, and I hadn't seen him in years and years. Um, but she moved me in with him. Then she began to kind of puppeteer their treatments and discipline of me from a distance. I recognized that. I, I pushed against it in my behavior. She took me to a child psychologist. The child psychologist told them, holy cow, we don't know what to do with her. She is the toughest kid we have ever come across and we, and we can't break through. And so that was kind of a, like my foundation of what was happening in my life at the time. And she was so angry after the child psychologist. She said, how dare you? And we can't help anything. And if you don't tell us, and I'm thinking, ah, but I have told you, I have told you and I've learned my lesson. And so um, she began to ship me around in that process. You know, then normal things were happening. Like people had no idea of the life I was living. So then they treated me certain ways and um, expected certain things. So, you know, the boys chasing the girl kind of thing upset my mom to crazy, you know, um, efforts. Um, So in my life, I went on, I can count them on one hand, dates. I went on, you know, less than, (laughs) less than five dates in my life. And I've, I married two of them, but in that process, I also, um, ended up running away from home and I ran away from home with a man who I eventually married, but just because he, he said something to me and it was like, ah, I got to figure out how to get out of this. And I believe I was about, uh, 16 at the time, 16 or 17 at the time. And, um, so what that did 17 at the time. So what that did is it angered my mother to a high level. And so she shipped me again to, um, my biological father. So I gone to him. This was the second time. The first time I went to him for a summer. Oh, excuse me. Three times. First time I went to him for a summer, came back. Um, I had changed. Uh, she became very protective of that. Uh, she didn't like what I was doing as a teenager. So then she shipped me back down there. Um, she got angry because of things, me being a very typical teenager. I didn't party and I didn't do any of that crazy stuff, but the boys, it was the boys and it really angered her. Um, and so she ended up on a surprise coming and getting me. She shipped me to a girl's home in Georgia at that time. And in that girl's home, they would, they were very proud of how they would rehabilitate teens. And we had to live there till we were 18. And they said, we will beat her to get her to believe certain things. And that is what we do that. And, and I ended up staying there for one day. It was insanely traumatic for me. And Oh, I'm getting weepy. I don't know why, because it's an old story, but because you still feel it. Um, so I went there and uh, was there for a day, but I she came back and got me. 
and she made sure she got her finger in my face and her mean, angry face in my face and said, the only thing that's saving you is because they said they'd beat you to make you believe that our religion isn't true. And I thought, can't tell her again, can't tell her. I don't believe in your religion anyway. At this point, I don't believe in it anyway, because if, if you guys are the outcome of what that religion's about, I want nothing to do with it anyway. And that's where I felt that. So she brought me home. Then, um, I was there. Uh, she didn't like what had happened. Then I ran away. When I came back, then she shipped me back up to my biological father, who was then living in Washington. So there were all these things that were happening in a very short amount of time. And then by the time I was 17, that's when I was shipped up to Washington. And they didn't let me go back to school. I was 17. um, But because I had slept with a boy... I was no longer, I was tainted material. I couldn't be around other youth. Um, they, you know, they kept me away from other people my age. Now, I am not the only one on the planet that has been sleeping. Everybody, you know, everybody. <laughs> it's just crazy. But back in those traditional ways of thinking, um, that's what happened. So when I went back up, I'm sure that she said she's not allowed to go to school or whatever, but they just never allowed me to go back to school. And that was 17. And I never got, I never graduated. And then I got married a week after I turned 18. um, Because it was my way out. And although I loved the man, it was my way out. Now, because I was so broken and dysfunctional at the time, I attracted crazy. And it wasn't crazy like as in um, he was an abuser or anything like that. I wish, you know, uh, um, it it was that he lived a secret, double, crazy life. And I was wholly gullible and willing to believe. For example, he said he worked for UNICEF and he would do secret missions to go and save children. Um, That is what I was married to. And I was 17, dating him at 17. He was 11 years older than me. And I still didn't have a high school diploma. So, but more than anything, I wanted to be a mom. So I became a mom. And I had certain things in my head. And I was I realized that I was very ahead in my thinking, but um, I, I was very seasoned, very wise, very adultish or mature in my thinking. But because of the traditions of the day, um, those things were discounted, um, laughed at, mocked, which closed me down even more. So really, I was a young teenager getting married, um, completely closed off and, uh, willing to do what I needed to do or what I was told to do because there was something inside me that was still, there was an obedience in me. So anyway, um, there's more to all of those, of course, but uh, this covers my background. I didn't graduate high school. 
I was married to a man 11 years older who who led me to believe he was in these secret um, organizations doing, you know, real benevolent, glorious work of saving children, um, found out that that was all a farce, had, um, had a children with him. And then I saw, and as you mature, you know, you know, so I stayed with him until I was 20. Um, so 17 to 20. And then I watched and he lost his job. He worked in a warehouse stocking shelves, you know, stock, uh, getting shipments in, in, the, in a warehouse. And it was for um, a store uh, called Kmart. Um, but he lost his job. And for the next two years or a year and a half, he would go get money from his parents. And I wasn't, I was never aware of it, but if you understood how shut down I was, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have the energy or the mindset to be able to observe everyone and everything. Um, because I was just trying to hold on to my own space, my own self. And he lost his job and he would go and borrow or get money from his parents. His parents were well-known in the community, um, very well-known in the community. Their whole family was well-known in the community. And um, one day we were at his mother's house, his parents' house, and I had never seen it before. And so he said something, his mom said something, and I guess they had had this little thing. So she would ask him, you know, so how's the job search going? And I was standing there one day and it just clicked. And as he replied how the job search is going, he boldface, boldface lied and said, well, it's really hard to find a job, but I'm looking. And I thought to myself, you've not been looking. You're home with me every single day. What? And that is kind of when the little girl, the little teenager, turned into kind of a, a woman. It was like the first mark. And when I saw that, when I saw on his face and on his body how easy it was for him to lie to his mother, it worried me. And what I did is it took me... I don't know how long it took me, but short period of time. And I was driving in the car going to downtown and I heard an ad on the radio for a business college. And it said, you know, you could sign up for business college. There's federal financing available. And I had no idea what any of that meant. But I drove down to that college in downtown because it happened to be in downtown. And I signed up. I went home and I said... I'm going to have to create my own life. I'm not taking you on my coattails. You need to get out. And he moved out that weekend. And that was where our marriage ended. Now, I was already feeling that. I'd already journaled about that, that something was wrong, something was amiss. It was just blank. But that was the trigger for me. And I went to business college. I got my, what they called a degree in paralegal work. And I went to work for a finance company, loved it, uh, had some interesting things there. Again, not being super wise 
um, or ex- uh, super exposed or worldly, I believed what they said. And I found out that I would, you know, say things to corporate that I wasn't supposed to say. For example, I would, my boss, because it was only a two-person office, me and, and him, so my boss would leave for a couple hours and it was no big deal to me. It didn't matter. But what would happen is that corporate would call and say, is he there? No. And so they'd go, okay, well, we'll call back. No problem. They would call back. He's still not there. And then they'd go, well, what time did he leave? And I would tell them, and what time did he get back? Because I wasn't smart enough, guys. I wasn't smart enough to know that there are unwritten rules in business. And so I would tell them. And so then they would, he would get in trouble. He would get angry at me. But then it was like, you got to tell me, I don't know. Not that I would or wouldn't. I just, how naive am I? How naive I am, I was. Anyway, so um, things got ironed out there. I just wasn't savvy enough. And that was one of the issues I had growing up. My mom would be very angry at me and she would make some some cloaked comment and I was supposed to know that it meant something else but I didn't know so then she would call me stupid and you just don't have a clue and um and or just look at me with disdain like ugh. and I would go okay shut down I don't need to keep doing shut down and that's what I kept doing in my life and I still do it to some degree so I went to business college then I um ended up coming back to where that, that young man was that I ran away with. Anyway, we sparked up a relationship. He was an incredible man. Um, but he too was broken and had his issues. As we fast forward through that, we ended up having five more children. He adopted our, my two with the blessing. Actually, it was my first husband who said, is he interested in adopting them? And so, so my husband, um, my second husband adopted our two oldest and it was beautiful. So we had these children. Um, when he, when we had these children, he said, when our youngest goes to school, you're going to go back to college because you are smart. And of all the promises that he had never kept, he kept that one. And he came to me and he said, Um, it's time for you to go back to school. I was petrified. I went back to school. I got my bachelor's degree in marketing. Um, and thank heavens that the world was prepared for it for somebody like me because they created an online school. So I went back, um, and got my bachelor's degree in marketing changed me. It taught me things. Um, now before I graduated from that business college, I had to go get my GED. So I went locally, got my GED, did all the tests, and and then I was able to graduate from business college. Then fast forward, I ended up going back for my, um, I ended up starting school for my bachelor's, got it in marketing, business marketing. I started a PR work and did that for several years, was doing PR work. I did it for campaign, for campaigns, people on campaigns. I did it for businesses and it was just wonderful. And then I, something changed. We had a major um, situation in our family where my husband went through three car accidents in nine months, ended up with a brain injury. Um, That was before my bachelor's, which made my bachelor's all the more special because he remembered 
that he didn't remember a lot of other things, but he remembered he t told me that. So he went back and he had a brain injury back in, um, 94. And so we had been living with that. We kept that secret from the world, from everyone for 16 years. And then he told our children and that's a story in and of itself. Um, went and, um, so I got my bachelor's degree and then as we were struggling with our relationship and our marriage, I love this man so much, but I was just at my wit's end and I didn't know what to do. And so I, something came to me and it's, I wanted to get my master's. Um, and there's a story in there about between my bachelor's and my master's of something that happened and it was a mistake on the university's part. Um, but I ended up being able to get my master's degree and go to Creighton University. And what I, what I told my God is I said, I want, I want a degree that will help serve me and help me serve others. It will be something so unique and so special. I want a school that will open doors, meaning Creighton Law School is one of the top law schools under their um, certification and under their qualifying, um, you know, universities have to be qualified and they have to have certain um, associations, etc. Anyway, it's one of the top. And so there it was. There it was. It found me. And I went and I got my master's. You guys, that master's changed me. Changed me. Ugh, everything I thought I was doing right, it showed me where I was getting it wrong. Um, just epic. One of the most epic experiences of my life. Then I went to work as a mediator in the courts. Um, what I saw between my experience and those me other mediators that had been, that majority of all those mediators came through like a 20 hour session training, mediation training, and they became mediators or they went to the local university and they took a mediation course through there and became mediators. But there was a stark difference between my ability to mediate and their ability to mediate. And some of those students would come out and go, holy crap, how did she do that? Attorneys would come in and anger the department's head because those attorneys, like we had one attorney that walked in to the head of the mediation group and she was very, you know, uh, confident in her own abilities, but she was very competitive. And he walked in, one attorney walked in and he said, this, this woman can do things none of you guys have ever been able to do. And that made her angry. And she became, I became her target of people to keep down. Um, from there, I went on and I started National Mediation Center. I created an intern program with the local university. I trained some people. I did mediations on the phone for a large nonprofit. Um, and it was it was the flow. I love my work. I've done family mediations, custody mediations. It is beautiful to see what happens when you can do good, solid conflict resolution. From there, I became an adjunct professor at the local university, a D1, and 
um, under the under the direction of a man named Brian Pop- Pappas. And he he is somebody I so appreciate because he did not get competitive when he saw quality. And that's an important feature to find. The woman that was the head of the mediation group, very competitive. Her first words to me when we met was, I want to dominate. And anybody that appeared to have more success, appeared to be better, appeared to have like, you know, a a secret sauce, she would squelch them. And I watched her level people, dismiss people, not give people cases, um, and basically just work an undercurrent in an undercurrent to dismiss them or discredit them or, you know, and it, and it worked. She's done very well to protect her, what her, she wants as her space. Is she dominating? No. And, and, um, or she might feel like she is in her own space, but, um, I saw something beautiful in that work. And from that, from being an adjunct professor, doing mediations in the courthouse, doing mediations offline, doing mediations for nonprofits, doing mediations, doing an internship program, creating that internship program. I also opened up a mediation um, program for another county and she came in and squelched it, but it was opened. and she just needed to be the one in control of it. But I had already created all of the systems and everything, put it in place, did the negotiations, everything. Beautiful, right? Just beautiful. And so now my work is continued. From that master's, I loved it so much that I went on and I became certified in hostage negotiations. Um, I certify every two years. It's fantastic. I certify with, in one of my group, you know, SWAT, police, um, uh, FBI, government agencies, counterterrorists um, for the FBI. Just those are the groups that I sit with when we're certifying in hostage negotiations. And I love it. Love the work. Um and then I loved that, that I went on and I certified in crisis negotiations and that's suicide. Um, and then what happened is I realized and I saw something, I saw something as I would work, volunteer and do this work in all three of these, there were some common denominators and it's hard to see them if you're not training, certifying, working, volunteering, absorbed and and, you know, immersing yourself in this work. And I saw some common denominators. But the beautiful thing is, is that in these common denominators, mediators have 60% plus uh, and hostage negotiators have up to 90%, 60 to 90% success. That means when I saw that, I went, hold up. 60 to 90 percent why are we bothering with all these other things in order to resolve issues why aren't we giving the mainstream why aren't we giving people these tools and it's because not very many people 
have a master's in conflict resolution negotiations, certified in hostage and crisis negotiations, have worked in those fields. I've not, I've not done a hostage negotiation. I do simulations with FBI, SWAT, um, government agencies that work in that field and need to know those things. Um, and hostage groups or hostage negotiations groups. And, and it's, it's such to see these skills at work and to be able to practice them myself, use them, simulate with them, be challenged because, you know, a SWAT sergeant doesn't want you to be successful in a hostage negotiation in simulation. So they can make it hard. They can make it hard and different and, and it becomes very real for people because you, you do have all those emotions that churn. Anyway, I noticed five skills and then I understood I'm a great data miner. I can look at some information and I start mining, mining other, uh, what are the other messages? What are the other things that this tells us? So I would see things that were working and then to couple that with their success, the success percentages, uh, unbelievable. So I put together and founded and trademarked the Savage Theory of Resolution, which is five skills used by the world's best problem solvers, that of mediators, hostage, and crisis negotiators. And when you take my class, you learn about these things and why they are the world's best problem solvers. Let me just ask you a question. If they fail, what happens? That's, the, that's a simple way to describe why they are the world's best problem solvers. Um, because there's no risk when you go to other, other groups of people. There's no risk. But when you, when you fail in hostage crisis or mediation, there is a risk at the table. So I love my work and I created courses to help people really solve problems and to show them how to do it. Now, it's not a, it's not a lecture situation necessarily. You have to apply the skill. You have them already. I just show you a different way to use them and you apply that skill. And when you apply that skill, you learn and you have success. And if you're not dealing, if you're dealing with personal relationships, intimate relationships, teens, kids, neighbors, PTA, or, you know, whatever the parent group is now, school administration, um, fields, soccer fields, you know, different sports. If you're dealing with, you know, Mensa and you're dealing with all these different things, there are some universal skills that we have refined in mediation, crisis, and hostage um, that can help you live and experience a day-to-day. -day. So that is a long stories, long stories to, to tell you my background. I love my work. I love what I do. I am a God girl and I know his hand is in my life. I know that I experience these conflicts and these situations very differently than other people absorb those situations and conflicts. Other mediators, other crisis negotiators, other hostage negotiators, we absorb them very differently. I have been very blessed in not to have to have done a hostage negotiation because there is a tainting that happens. There is a there, even in, there is a tainting that can happen and a power that can bleed through us. And I'm so grateful that for the people that can do that, 
but I'm grateful to that God has led me to a place that I can see these skills and help people implement, refine, and use those skills to change their own life and change their own outcome, to save their relationships, to, to recover dead relationships. I've used it to help recover broken relationship, 20 year, 10 year broken relationships, and it can be done. It's beautiful. So that's our, that's our time today. Thank you for asking.